Hey everybody, it's Lisa Lampanelli, the Queen of Maine, and you know what? I got my own podcast. Yeah, does everyone have one? Pretty much, but mine's different because I'm going to help you like I help myself. Get Stuffed with Lisa Lampanelli every week is going to teach you how to have the fabulous life that I have. If you don't listen, you're just stupid and don't want to help yourself. So don't even listen. I don't even want you to. But if you do, if you disobey my orders and listen, you can go to feralaudio.com or download it from iTunes. But again, don't listen. I don't even care. Today's episode is brought to you by Last Rampage, the new true crime film starring Robert Patrick, Heather Graham, and Bruce Davison. And we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie. Hi, my name is Heather Graham, and I'm playing Dorothy Tyson in the movie The Last Rampage. The Last Rampage is a true story about uh, Gary Tyson and how his sons broke him out of prison, and uh, it's a very dark story, and Gary Tyson is not a good guy. I play his wife, and I'm super loyal and devoted to him, even though he's pretty much the worst person in the world. One thing I think is interesting about the movie is a lot of these movies, they tell a story about like, oh, this rebellious guy who was this cool gunslinger and, you know, he did it all these wrong things, but he did it for the right reason. And I think this story sort of turns that story on its head because it's got, at first you think he's a cool guy, but then you're like, no, this guy is just like a selfish, self-centered, narcissistic jerk. I like stories about real people. I think sometimes real life is stranger than fiction. Like, I mean, some of the stuff that happens, you just go, I can't believe this is real, but it's real. And then if you do more research, it's even stranger than the stuff they put in the script. It's just like, sometimes real life is stranger than fiction. Don't miss Last Rampage, the true story of the prison break of Gary Tyson. In theaters September 22nd and available for on-demand pre-order August 22nd. Find out more on Twitter by following at LastRampageFilm or on Facebook.com slash LastRampageFilm. This episode of The X-Files Files is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter offer code XFILESFILES at checkout. A better web starts with your website. Hey, welcome to the show. This episode, I will be talking to Rhea Butcher, who's a very funny comedian. We're talking about Gender Bender, and we're talking about Young at Heart. Um, please follow me on Twitter at xfilesfiles, um, and you can email me. Getting so many wonderful emails, especially since the email episode. Um, so email me at thexfilesfiles at gmail.com. Any thoughts you have, anything I missed, anything you think I got wrong, just anything. Uh, getting a ton of great emails. And on Reddit, there's actually an X-Files Files subreddit. I believe it is uh, reddit.com slash r slash X-Files Files. And there's a bunch of great discussion going on right now about this show, but mostly about the episodes that we've been watching. Uh, the episodes of the X-Files, for instance, um, some people there disagree with my interpretation of uh, Scully's actions at the end of Beyond the Sea. Um, I still think I hold by my interpretation, but their interpretation uh, also makes a lot of sense, and it's very interesting. And I think that's what's great about the show is that you can talk about it and sort of come away with different stuff from other people. 
So just go talk about the show on Reddit. And um, now, let's go to Rhea Butcher and Genderbender. Hey, welcome to the X-Files Files. I'm Kamal Langiani, And our guest tonight, first-timer, Rhea Butcher. That is me, Rhea Butcher. So, Rhea, thank you for doing the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. You, this is, you've been a fan of the X-Files since when I was first on. Yes. But then you haven't watched it since then. Haven't watched it in a while. So, generally speaking, how did it feel watching these two episodes again? Um, I really enjoyed it, and I forgot how good of a show it was. Yeah. Just because it's such a show. It's such a show. <laughs> you know, it's like, the yeah, of course, the X-Files. So anyway, but like, you forget about how good it was week to week, for the most part. For the most part. And especially in that time, too, like thinking about what else was on TV in 1992. Yeah. Ni- sci-fi wise. I mean, it like, because I was thinking about what else I was watching at the time, which would probably be Star Trek The Next Generation and Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt was on around then? I feel like yes. I feel like it was at least in in around, rerun. Yeah. You know? So I was watching a too. lot of, you know, Briscoe County Jr. Weird. I was not watching that, but it was on. <laughs> what about those shows like Hercules and Xena and oh, all that? Oh, God. I watched so much of that. That was probably a little bit later, right? I feel like, it, yeah. Yeah. I definitely, um, Thunder Bay, perhaps. I think that's what it was called, was on around this time. Thunder Bay? I think that's what it was called. Hulk Hogan's syndication TV show. It was kind of like Baywatch, but like in the Florida Glades. Oh. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> but I, I was in Miami recently on a boat, mm-hmm. and there's this island there called Billionaire Island. So Miami, there's like, in the middle of it, there's all these islands in the water that just have are developed like, you know, people live there. Amazing yes. houses. Super expensive. We're driving by and the guy was like, that's Hulk Hogan's house. And it was this huge fucking house. It was gigantic. Yeah. And Did then it he- have a Hulk Hogan mustache? <laughs> it had a Hulk Hogan mustache. <laughs> it's funny you say that because uh, they there was also David Beckham's house on the same island and that had a huge soccer ball <laughs> outside it. Of course. And then also he wasn't sure if it was Dwayne Wade's house or not. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, so Hulk lives down there. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, this episode, we're talking about two episodes, Gender Bender and Young at Heart. Um, Gender Bender is uh, written by Larry Barber and Paul Barber. They're, that's the only ones they ever wrote. But this is the first one directed by, first X-Files directed by Rob Bowman, who directed a ton of great X-Files episodes. He became one of their guys. Jose Chang's from Outer Space, Paper Hearts, Pusher, ton of the main myth arc stories. And then now he works on Castle. And he also directed the movies. He also directed the X-Files movie. Both. Or the first one. The first one. The yeah. second one was Chris Carter. Right. Uh, he's directed the movies Reign of Fire and Electra. Whoa. So pretty good. Yeah, pretty good track record. I remember seeing the preview for Reign of Fire and being like, dragons versus rocket launchers. Why yeah. haven't we thought of this before? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, is, that is McConaughey versus Bale, right? It's totally America versus like yes. UK. It's, it's amazing. It's like the World Cup with dragons. <laughs> it really is. And McConaughey <laughs> is so McConaughey in this movie. So McConaughey. He's all like McConaughey'd out. What year is that movie from? 97? I bet it's or right later around then. That. Yeah. yeah, somewhere around there. Or I remember be being very excited about yeah. it. Yeah, I was as well. So Genderbender is the episode, basically, it's the one where uh, the, there's this person who can change their sex, and mm-hmm. they have sex with someone and they die, and then we find out that they were part of this cult called the Kindred. Yes. Basically the Amish, kind of, but they <laughs> yeah. can change their gender. What I thought was a couple things. One, as soon as Mulder finds out about the Kindred, he's like already so anti them from the beginning. <laughs> he's like He's like, these angry. fucking people. Yes. Like He's like... 
very like close-minded about well first of all i think he's anti-religion overall yeah i was gonna say he's pretty like against religion in any way it seems like and then this one there's one part where he and scully is so like pro-human scully is it's like so this like of course they're a dichotomy the two of them (laughs) but specifically i forgot how much so that she's like of course she's sensitive she's a woman but you know what's different is that she's sort of the, in, in a weird way, she's like the rational one on she, this yeah, show. Yeah, she's also, is, yeah, the one grounded in reality a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, because Mulder's out there being crazy. I also, what did you think of this episode overall? Um, I enjoyed it. Of course, there's some, you know, negative implications with the idea of, there's this, there's like one scene that I was like, oh boy, but also is this it is the one from, where she says it's men and women, so, uh, being killed, so it's someone who, it's, they never even mentioned that it could be someone who's bisexual. <laughs> right. They don't even like venture into that. It's mostly the only thing that I was like, oh boy, is when they're interviewing the guy that survives. Crycheck. He's going to become Crycheck yes. later. And then uh, he sa- he, he's like man to man. Tell me what, you know, like that yeah. whole thing where it's like, Ugh. I mean, I guess they handled it in a fairly sensitive way, but I could see it be- being a f- kind of upsetting what is this so here's the thing when you watch it does it feel a little he, that guy also says he calls a woman a week three that she was a week oh three, right which first of all she's a fairly attractive Calm woman down. <laughs> yeah. a week three would be like a 90 year old woman right. or like a child yeah a child for sure <laughs> all children i ever see are definitely like twos and threes. <laughs> yeah come on man if you rate Get them your higher shit together child <laughs> no makeup you know, yeah. go to the what gym. What is that, Oshkosh? Come on. <laughs> Gross. Uh, this not hanging out of your face. So there's like some weird transphobic implications yes. because he says that thing of, because you remember you've you've heard the stories where like some guy hooks up with a woman and she turns out to be a guy and then he like beats her up or right. There's something. all that like panic of and and also the other side of that that story or that idea is also that like somehow it's implied that the trans person the transgender person is somehow trying to trap someone yeah. you know and like this story is kind of that a little bit it is <laughs> i wonder if it does come a little bit from that i mean that you don't hear that stuff hopefully i don't think as much anymore but maybe in the 90s that's when well this I, stuff was people were kind of scared of it yeah i was wondering and i didn't get to look it up the timeline of this happening and then like the eddie murphy stuff oh and the hugh grant it definitely couldn't have been coinciding with Hugh Grant I don't think Hugh Grant I think was that later. Would have been later but I wondered if this sort of you know because the Eddie Murphy thing there's also like some because like early 90s there's a lot of like AIDS fear you know so yes. like that's part of it too a yeah. little bit I think like Promis- you have sex- promiscuity was like a terrifying idea it's weirdly a moralistic episode yes because I think Scully at one point says hard to imagine in this day and age someone having sex with a perfect stranger yeah which is such a fuddy-duddy thing for her to say. <laughs> so, I think she has her glasses on. She pushes them <laughs> up in the middle of saying Yeah. Um, the, so I'll just go from the beginning. The club, the nightclub, I was like, this is the worst club of all time. But I also loved that opening because this is like really, it's pretty early in the first season. Mm-hmm. And I loved them the visually. You're like, what is this? Because you're in the world of the X-Files, which it could be anything. Yeah, it could so be anything. So for a brief moment, you're like, Oh my God, what what kind of a like ship is this or whatever? And then you're like, yeah. oh, it's just a lame rave. It's just a really <laughs> it's just bad. It's like what we do. 
Yeah. <laughs> is that what you do? Yeah, is that yeah this is what I do on Thursdays. I go, <laughs> on Thursdays. Yeah, I go hang out with a bunch of week threes. Go to the... <laughs> and, a, and I the play a club. big Zodiac, what's my sign, standing video game thing. Oh, yeah, they're doing that. That thing was huge. Yeah, that thing was huge. Yeah, I love the intro, the, like, setup of that, the, like, cold open of somebody's eyeball that you're like, is this, like, an alien eye- autopsy? Why do they show that eyeball so much? I never got that. Cause I don't know. It nothing, never came back in. The eyeball doesn't really do anything. Yeah. There's also, um, and then Mulder talks about, this is a thing that we've been talking about on the show where, like, it seems like there's certain terms that people didn't know that now everyone kind of knows. Like, there's an episode where they have to explain what in vitro fertilization is, and now everyone knows. But in this episode, they have to explain what pheromones are to people. Do you remember that? That's hilarious. He goes, pheromones, and they're like... She's like, the chemicals animals secrete? Like, yeah, you're a doctor. Why are you you asking me? You know this. Do you remember? Is this around the time where in the back of comic books you could buy, like, pheromones and stuff? Do you remember that? Oh, I remember the back of comic book sales i didn't realize that pheromones are one of the available I, things i think it was for one sea of, monkeys or pheromones for just whatever for just for human beings <laughs> yeah. there were sea monkeys and then there was that atlet the book that would make you buff yes so it was just stuff that would kind of get you laid because they're like if you're reading a comic book right not getting laid yeah but then pheromones i think it was like you spray it and then she'll be like it irres- she'll like, just not leave you alone yeah. week threes for the rest of your life yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's like the uh proto axe spray <laughs> thing um and then so it's funny because she says who would have sex with a perfect stranger because she sort of ends up that guy does that thing to her thumb yeah and then she's that look that she has when she first like her head goes to the left and she, her eyes kind of go away yeah that was pretty funny i thought yeah she's all i like, wish they would have played like i just called to say i love you or <laughs> just for a second <laughs> and just like little the hearts bit, yeah <laughs> oh, foxy like <laughs> yeah. wayne's world exactly um yeah and she's all like she's horny in a pretty high percentage of this episode yeah i do love though the depiction of her horniness and this could just be the time frame but it could also be that scully for the most part from what i remember is treated pretty respectfully yes as like an f as an agent yes as a woman who knows what she's doing um who's maybe not as familiar with this all of the stuff that yeah uh Mulder is but that her her like sexuality and her interest is in a depicted in a really real way like she didn't all of a sudden start flipping her hair and like taking her clothes off or something you know like she it's a it's just a real moment of yeah. slight escalation and like yeah. joy instead of it just being like sex. Yeah, know? exactly. Exactly. Because she also later is like, I have a feeling she's embarrassed about it later. <laughs> yeah. I felt so bad for her. Because um, she's like at her job. Yeah, you, know? you can't get attracted because that guy is a week three. Yeah, he's absolutely. I mean, I would say like a week two, yeah. maybe a one, maybe maybe a, maybe a strong one, a strong one. <laughs> he's yeah. like a really of all the ones. He's like up. He's like almost hitting two. Oh yeah, but not quite. He's like a one point seven five. What I did like. Oh, what he's I, like a like he's a, in everything. He's in constantly in everything. What I did like that part, so this episode for me, here's my issues with it. I feel like um, parts of it are good. It's a kind of a, such a weird idea. There's obviously some of the stuff that's maybe problematic. Like, it's kind of a weird idea, which I like that this person can change genders. I like the idea of the king, kindred. I like that they see the pictures, the old pictures, and then it's the same people. Have they been around forever? That stuff. 
Um, so I like a lot of it. What I don't love is that it feels like Mulder and Scully like kind of don't do very much. They don't really like kind of solve it. I did like though because there's the club which mm-hmm. is like hyper modern, and then there's the part where they sort of leave civilization and go into this fucking you know air thing in the woods. I sure. thought that was really cool. Like you're sort of embarking into the unknown and the uh, like the, that like contrasted with the club. I thought that was really cool. And I loved seeing in that sort of vein. Like I loved seeing them having dinner with them. Yeah. I just happened to pause <laughs> it and walk out of the room and come back and this is the thing that i feel like the x-files did all the time is there like i guess blocking or like the way they shoot the episodes is yeah. so funny like it's a serious show and it has tension and drama in it but when i came back they were at dinner and scully is like looking towards the head of the table uh-huh and Mulder just has his head like looking down <laughs> this is not translating to a podcast very well but it's, it's just like just, in this hilarious sort of like it's just like class, peeking in like what's going on you know like hang on now kindred yeah i didn't like Mulder's attitude i wrote down demonization of the other there's that thing where like if people have different beliefs that they're kind of weird and yeah. Mulder, i think sort of goes in with that attitude even before he knows that they're sex changing ultimately fucking aliens or something right. even before that he kind of hates them i thought that i don't know how i feel about that which is like do you think they're trying to be ironic that the guy who's trying to find the things that nobody believes in is weird about this hates everything that is a different belief system than he has i think as the show goes certainly that becomes like a major theme but in this mm-hmm. episode it just felt like sort of accidental like yeah. i don't think they were trying it didn't feel to me like they were trying to make a point or anything you know i would say that the whole episode is not super cohesive like you were saying that's just kind of like three separate sections of like nothing really sort of comes together yeah it's it's all great ideas yeah they just don't sort of gel there's there's some great creepy stuff like so they get kicked out right yes and then they're like stay in the path which i thought was cool like that's always (laughs) like horror movie stuff like stay on the path obviously they don't they come back and then they see that weird like ritual mass thing happening right when the guy's choking to death and they're like christian scientists or whatever (laughs) they're like we don't need your heimlich maneuver (laughs) your western ways i don't want you to tell him to just walk into the table to save himself like we don't do that we just let our own die like that is not even medicine (laughs) they should have that it's physics i wonder if are Amish okay with the heimlich maneuver they have to be right i mean has anybody Maybe told not, them? Because it's got a, it's like a modern thing. They like don't even use zippers. <laughs> I they can't. Am- no, they don't use zippers. Huh? That would suck if someone's choking and they're like, ah, sorry. I don't know what to do. Ah. I guess it's your time. Yeah, it's Jebediah your- or whatever. <laughs> we don't use zippers and we don't. If you're choking, <laughs> you go to heaven. Good news, you yeah. go to heaven. Good news, everything's fine. We're almost 100 percent sure we're right. <laughs> right. We're almost 100 percent. Almost. Sure. We're really close. <laughs> um, but when they come back and that ritual is happening, I thought that was really cool. The whole episode is shot really le- well when they're like looking through the slats. Yeah, and they have and those lanterns. They have those weird lanterns <laughs> and they're putting like the weird like goop, the milky, yeah. creamy goop on the guys. I thought that was really creepily shot. Like it, it was an episode that wasn't great, but you don't realize it until it's over. Right. I guess that it's not great because nothing you're comes like, together. What, what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. With that wide shot. And you're like, Oh damn it. Cause it feels like if it had maybe a half an hour more, 
it could resolve itself. Yeah, that's the thing. We'll get to the the ending is a real weird part. There's one part when they come back that where that guy, the the strong one, shows up to, <laughs> right. to Scully and he's like, I need to show you something. And for a second, Scully's like, Oh yeah. And then <laughs> you know, he's like, It's something about Marty. And she's like, Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, Marty. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, it's about Marty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it. I like that the hand thing that they do to like make you attracted to them. For a show that can sometimes be prone to over-explanation, mm-hmm. I like that they don't really explain that. It's yeah. just like, it's just a thing these people do. And it's do. really simple. It's not like a Vulcan no. mind meld or anything. It's like actually a pressure point. Yeah. You know, that has, I don't I don't know if they I like did the idea purpose, of someone learning, like, pick up tricks from <laughs> this episode. and just going to clubs like, ah, yeah. no, ah, no. Are you into it? Um. I also, oh, there's a part where Mulder says, I saw you about to do the wild thing with some stranger. Like, that's not, that's a little insensitive (laughs) because she's sort of in danger there, right? Yeah, I mean, they already have seen people dead from, like, having sex with these people. Yeah. And then he's just like, that is, it is a little silly. I remember that feeling very weird and disjointed. Um, So then they, basically how it ends is they come back and there's a crop circle. Yeah. And then just the credits roll. It's kind of a bad crop circle, too. It's not good. It's, it's not a like... really bad crop circle. <laughs> there's no design in it. It's just like they dropped a big barrel. And then <laughs> they're, they're like, like, okay, just walk around in it. It really feels like, all right, we got to finish this episode. I feel like going into the season, they're like, we're going to have one. We got one, like, get out of jail free card <laughs> where it ends on a, where we hard cut to a crop circle. And that's it. Yeah. And they're, they're like, are we going to use it on the Amish? <laughs> yeah, we yeah. have to. We got to use it. It's like yeah. a cheat code. It really was like a cheat code. Yeah. It's like they just sort of like fucking threw it in. And yeah. I remember as a kid, I remember this episode when I first saw it, kind of liking it because it came so fucking out of nowhere that I yeah. was like, oh, that's cool. They were aliens. Holy shit. But now when you're a little more, you know, your brain works better, (laughs) you're like, this is just a cop-out. Yeah, it's a total cop-out. Which is, unfortunate, like you said, all the other stuff that they did, like the barn sequence and even the, like we were talking about the morphing thing the other day. Even that. Oh, yeah, you were saying how the morphing. Yeah, when she, I think it's the the last morphing when they're like catching him in his like tidy whities or whatever. And then he morphs into the woman, or morphs from the woman to the man. And they're both named Marty, which I love. Yeah. Um, as a Back to the Future fan, I love that they were named I Marty. I wonder if all the kindred have to have names that are like that. Right. Marty, like, Sandy. Yeah. Kim. Kim. Yeah. <laughs> Tracy. <laughs> Jamie. There's dudes named uh, Stacy as there well. Are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I met a dude named Skylar the other day, so that yeah. could be possible. Oh, yeah. I know a dude named Skylar. Yeah. It's probably the uh, same dude. Yeah. Um, but I loved the the stance of her when she morphed because she looked to me like one of the innocent bystanders in the, the arcade game Lethal Enforcer. <laughs> she does. She's kind of looking <laughs> she around. She like looks around with her arms out. <laughs> I love that game. I loved that game so much. Lethal Enforcers. I got it from, I visited the US and I bought it and I took it back, but it yeah. turned out like the TV systems are different. Oh, no. So it did, the gun didn't work. Oh, no. That game is useless with the controller yeah completely useless um oh yeah this is the line that i was looking for that Mulder said that i was like come on he says no all the simple life living from abundance crap these people know something scully i was like that was that's sort of uh insensitive it's yeah. a little close-minded i was so i was reading a review and i was saying you know how i liked um but I, I didn't love the episode, but something about it sort of st- stuck with me. And I was reading the AV Club reviews and Zach Handlin, 
uh, said that X-Files is about sane people brushing briefly against the vast madness of the world and escaping in the end with only suspicions and the certainty that there is more going on than anyone could ever know. And I felt like this episode sort of did that, where you're like, it's not satisfying as a story because you don't find out what going, what's going on, but it does sort of make the world feel weirder that there's stuff going on that oh, you don't sure. really understand. Like there's weird, like cavernous gooey white caves inside yeah. of a barn and yeah. then he's just hiding in there yeah and then there's like a wet guy changing <laughs> into a woman guy, guy. A wet woman. Yeah, like yeah looks like an art teacher like what is this i don't understand <laughs> it what? does look like an art teacher <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the end spoiler alert for t- terminator 2 but like when the t-1000 turns back into everything oh, before it, it goes away yeah kind of like that because he, he looks he's got that long black hair yeah. but it's still a dude it's still the dude's face yeah yeah he's an art teacher <laughs> he looks like, just like a ceramics instructor uh, oh one thing i found out is that this movie uh, this show came out a couple years after Philadelphia, so there's still that like oh, yeah. AIDS fear the, is part yeah. of it. Another moralistic thing was like, you know, they find the porno mags, and it's oh, supposed yeah. to be like this weird bad thing, right? Um, so also, this- I love the way they um, each person died with the pink foam. Yeah, because it was almost like they were have they had the bends or something. Yeah, which is an interesting way to see somebody die on land. You know, I mean, I guess I guess you would die on land Eventually that way too, but, on land. but not you know, it's but not coming not within from, the context of yeah. an ocean where you're just like in the, in a bed and you're getting the bends. It's like very creepy and weird and evocative. I haven't seen the bends happen in a piece of pop culture in a while. They, yeah, we should. It's I time. actually saw a. Are you familiar with the Thirty for Thirty films? The yes. ESPN document. They did a spinoff that's uh, Nine for Nine. That's all about women's sports and directed by women. And there's an episode. They just did nine of them. They just did nine of them. Nine of them, yeah, because it was the anniversary, 20th anniversary. I'm not sure how uh-huh. many years. Uh, bad female, not knowing that stuff. But they did one about a deep sea diver, who unfortunately passed away from it. That's um, a sport. Yeah, it's like a an extreme sport where they go like 300 meters down with no nothing. As just as people. Just as people with nothing. They have like divers around them to, to watch them and they they're on a pole that when they get down there to a certain time period like three minutes they go underwater for like three or four minutes and they're just holding 300 meters and they're just holding their breath and then they pull this bag that will lift them up at the correct speed so that they don't get the bends but then how, what happened to this lady she the bag didn't go so she just and they didn't have enough divers so they have divers positioned at different levels Oh. So the ones that they had were too high up to be able to go down to get her because what they had, they would have gotten the bends also if they tried to save her. So she drowned? <laughs> she got the bends. They got her up, but they could not resuscitate her because she was on land. They also didn't have a doctor because her husband was they like a deep sea have... diver and he, they, they think he tried to kill or didn't try to kill her, but like wanted to be a hero. And he got a doctor who was actually a dentist. Because when they brought her up, he was like, oh, I'm just a dentist I mean, on the boat. What? Yeah. Really? Yes. It is a fascinating, sad story. Wow. And it's not a, I mean, it's, it's actual life, so it's not a spoiler to. Why didn't the dentist say before, like, listen, unless they get a crazy cavity down there, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing I could do. Unless they want a root canal while they're down there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's crazy, fascinating, and like, I don't know. I highly Why recommend it. Why is it called it. The Bends? I don't know. It's like a really old terminology for it. Yeah, like the vapors. It, I think it like t- turns up your insides. Oh, your your hands. You're get turning all... inside out, basically. 
Gross. Because the pressure is changing and that pink foam is like the inside of your lungs. That's what that is? So that's what I was thinking about when I was watching this episode. Yeah. Which is ironic because it's called Gender Bender. Oh, maybe that's how, that was the pitch. They're like, I'm going to say three things. They're going <laughs> to sound like nothing that goes with each other. But hear me out. Amish, <laughs> sex changing, yes. and the bends. And the bends. Sold. Gender Benzer. Um, and then there's this another guy. I really liked what he wrote. And I was, again, trying to figure out why... Something about this episode I really liked, and uh, there's this uh, website called The Movie Blog, and this guy Darren Mooney writes about it, uh, The X-Files, and he put this really well. It's kind of a long quote. I think I'm going to read the whole thing. Here we go. As much as The X-Files is a show about how the past defines the present, uh, it also serves as something of an exploration of a version of America that is slowly fading from view and receding into America, a strange and surreal world where the darkness is being fought further and further back by encroaching globalization. Street lamps, GPS, and mobile phones do a lot to push back the shadows. This almost nostalgic peon for lost horrors would come to the fore in later seasons episodes like Home, Detour, Bad Blood, Postmodern Prometheus. Uh, in Home, that's like a major plot point. Um, or, or major theme. And this is the first real sense we've got of an old order fading away with a bunch of pseudo-Amish living in an isolated, idealized community who literally disappear, uh, disappear off the face of the earth at the end of the episode. The kindred seem like relics from, old, from some old folklore dating back to the turn of the century, a group of people locking themselves off from the world, the subject of all sort of superstition and gossip and rumor. At the end, the kindred is just gone. It is, on any narrative level, a massive cop-out. It's a cheat, a nice way to wrap up the episode without any real explanation or conclusion. However, it also feels strangely appropriate. A lot of this is down to Rob Bowman's direction, but it's also because it feels like we're watching phantoms vanish into history or perhaps myths and legends transfiguring before our eyes. Those strange outsiders on the edge of town are an outdated myth for the modern world. Instead, they become aliens, something more modern, something more mundane and relatable to the modern world. So I think he's a little bit jumping through hoops to sort of make the, you know, the uh, a theme of the X-Files. You know, the first episode we talk a lot about how because of cell phones and the internet, like these weird, crazy nooks and crannies of America are disappearing. And he says that you literally, this episode, see those nooks and crannies turning into something more modern. I don't think it's on purpose, but it's an interesting way to look at it. Absolutely. And also, it's kind of fascinating, too, that they, the kindred, some of them, like the young, it seems like they're younger, but they've been around forever. But they have different ages, so there has to be some sort of hierarchy going on there, but that they are intrigued and interested and want to, like, venture out into the modern world. So there's that conflict, too, like, within them, like, this old, outdated... Yes, uh, that's right. ...old, you know, archaic sort of thing is like, but I do want to be a part of this, but they can't because of... So it's almost like a metaphor for America itself. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. But because, like, we're constantly at conflict with like being no but it used to be so great and let's stay the way that it used to be but also we want to be in the modern world in the modern world and talking to other countries and living with everybody and being on the forefront of everything but at the same time let's not have women vote you know it's like yeah just constantly this inner turmoil yeah this that's the tension and it's interesting because i Grew up in Pakistan and, you know, obviously culturally very different. But I remember the moment we got MTV, which was 
probably right around this time, like early 90s, we got MTV. And you could see the culture completely changed. Oh. Dudes start wearing shorts, you know, all that kind of stuff. Totally changes. And you could see, like, this is what's happening. Like, unfortunately, because of globalization, cultures on purpose, uh, by their own choosing, I mean, sort of get stamped out, you know, to kids growing up somewhere else. The Western culture with its, you know, opulence and fun and women in bikinis <laughs> yeah. is so much more exciting generally right. that, you know, these sort of kids choose to become more and more Westernized as the world grows. And unfortunately, it seems like we're going to get to this point where, you know, all the differences in culture are going to get sort of, you know, stamped out and it's all going to be one sort of thing. And that's what one of the things that resonated with me about this episode is that it is about that. It's this old culture that in a way it's beautiful. They're doing their own weird fucking thing. Um, but it's separate from everything. And then one of them chooses to go outside, which is that person's choice, and then chooses to have sex. I don't think they want to kill. I think if they right. just have sex with someone from the outside, they end up killing it's them. It's just too good. The sex is too good. Is that what it's supposed to be? Because I, I, I feel like I was a little unclear. Of, yeah, yeah. because <laughs> I think it's like the bends, but you're like ascending to the heavens. The right. sex is so good. The orgasm creates the bends. The orgasm like, creates the bends. I can't live anymore. Yeah. Uh, but you die, you know, kind of happy. Kind of happy, yeah. But yeah, I think uh, thematically that's what really sort of I liked about this episode because Home is probably is one of my favorite episodes, and that's that's that show is uh, that episode is very specifically about um, the outside world encroaching into this small town and stamping out the differences, you know, within like a small town in a big city and that stuff. And it's a thing we see in the Exiles over and over. And I think this episode did a pretty good job of having that conversation for the first time in the X-Files. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say, so, and then I also read a little, you know, quotes from the uh, creators and writers and stuff. The co-executive producer, Glenn Morgan, said, you know, he had, it, it was difficult to find a story that shows sex is scary. Um, and which I read that quote too, which yeah. is kind of fascinating to me that have, ha, it seems to me that in 1992, sex would be scary. Would be scary. And you know, that's the sort of the point of view that Scully embodies too. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, are we more scared of sex now? I because think sex is pretty scary now. But I, I feel like it's less scary than it was. I remember when I was a kid, I just, forgive me for sharing too much, I just started to <laughs> masturbate, and then I found this Reader's Digest, and on the cover it said, Herpes, the Scourge of a Sexual Revolution, and I was like, am I going to get herpes from masturbating? <laughs> right. I really thought I would get herpes oh, yeah. from masturbating. It's very confusing. <laughs> it's very confusing. <laughs> but I remember the people thinking that herpes being like, all right, now it's over, oh, sex yeah. is done, yep. we're done with sex, and th that's obviously before AIDS, and Almost everybody has herpes now, it seems like. Oh, yeah. Like. It's just everybody's got it. Everybody's just some, got some it. Some sort of version we of herpes. We made it okay. Yeah. And now, obviously, AIDS is very, very serious. You know, practice safe sex and all. But it's a lot more manageable now than it used to be. It's not like the thing where you get it and, you know, in a couple of years you die or her horrible death. Like, medicine has come a long way and people yeah. And live. people are aware of it. Yeah. You know, it's not just this silent thing that was tried to... that. The government tried to ignore for 15 years yeah because uh well there's like uh, uh dating sites 
for people who are HIV oh, yeah. positive. Mm -hmm. And uh, Reagan, when he could have done something about AIDS, decided to focus on a disease called Legionnaire's disease. Sure, yes. That he thought, you could look at it two ways. You could look at it as, what an idiot, he picked that disease to fight. Or you could look at it as, well, he did defeat that disease. Because sure. we don't fucking hear about that <laughs> yeah, anymore. Nobody hears about the Legionnaire's disease. <laughs> Legionnaire's I don't even remember what that is. I think it was something that was like spreading through restaurants and stuff. Uh, I think that's what it was. It's okay. so like stupid, but because of like the Legionnaires, I don't know why it's like called dining that. halls. Is that a thing? Or Legionnaire, is my brain the mess just halls? working? Too they were hard. all eating together. Yeah, they were all eating together, and it was. It seems, I don't seems know. Right, I don't know. I feel like we figured out what the Benz is. We <laughs> yeah. figured this out. We're doing well. We're doing great. Uh, but he said that the teaser originally included a moment where a character's crotch starts to rot away, which I can't even Whoa. imagine what that looks like. And then they obviously... Uh, I can, actually. Yeah? In 1992, like special effects. CG? I could total, it would be like burning paper That's superimposed right. onto the person's crotch but they're wearing clothes but they're wearing clothes through jeans of course that's exactly what it is yeah i bet that's be. what it is and there's a woman wearing a white dress i think the woman in the middle where she's like no i'm not interested which that one kind of bothered me a little bit that they had like the male on female thing uh-huh just because but this is like pre-date rape i think before like what? date rape is new well no I, I mean this episode i don't think that the term date rape was even is that right yet in 1992 well, because wow. the Sublime song hadn't come out yet, for sure. What hadn't come out? The Sublime song. <laughs> what song is that? Date Rape. Is that it's, a... it's actually a song that's anti-date rape, but I think it got uh, sort of grabbed onto by bros just because you can sing that chorus. You know? What is the chorus? Date Rape. The chorus is them <laughs> saying date so. rape. He says, like, date rape studly, I think, or something. But it's, it's making fun of the du dude doing it, but it's a song about date rape. Wow, I didn't know about this. Yeah, but this because she doesn't want to do it, and then he rubs her finger, yeah. and she's into it. So it's a little bit just because the implication, you know, it's different. It's different when it's a guy. It is on a different woman when it's a guy. It's just different. Yeah, I think just because I mean this is twenty years ago, so just the views on sex, the, the subtle and big ways in 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 which they've changed, mm -hmm. like the fact that we, we talked about where Scully doesn't even consider the possibility of someone who might be bisexual. Like, right. that would not happen on a show right. today. Right, absolutely. That would yeah. be the first thing. They, they would think, like, oh, it could, it's probably a bisexual person. Yeah, that's what they would think. <laughs> Playing not, the field. Yeah, like, exactly. Just... Yeah, having a great time. Yeah. You wouldn't think... You wouldn't go right to Mulder going, okay, now hear me out. It's a it's person... It's a person that's going to change their entire body back and forth. Which is more believable than someone being attracted to men and women. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's yeah. more believable. Yeah. Someone can turn their penis into a vagina. Just So every time they have sex, their sex, their sex changes? Or do they choose to change it? I or think they choose to change it in like a... Because... Because of the time and because of the non-bisexual thing, and probably not a lot of uh, gay people on TV or the idea of a gay person, yeah. they the assumption is that if a man... Because there's, they say in a scene, like, when they're talking to the guy that becomes Crycheck, he's like, they there's a witness that sees a man leaving. So they're like, but it can't be. You know, yeah. they're like so shocked that a man is leaving the crime scene. Yes. It's so confusing right. to them and so yeah. confounding that it would be a man. Because yeah. Of course, this guy only has sex with women, and it yeah. would not be a possibility. No, there's no that way he could possibly be attracted yeah, to a man. This like clearly homophobic man. There's no right. way that he's a closeted gay person. Right. There's he, no way. Yeah. He says. Does he does? It's kind of a funny line at the end when he says, 
the club scene used to be so simple. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so this one, Rob Bowman says, uh, who's, this was his first episode, and then he became one of the big X-Files guys. And X-Files Confidentially says, it was a very bizarre story, especially for me because it's my first episode. He said that um, Chris Carter wasn't that specific about the show. He just said dark and creepy. And I said, <laughs> I'm your man. Um, he said that there were sequences he wrote that seemed to me at the time like they were done stream of consciousness. I'd say, because this is so complicated, I have to break this down into a series of shots that can only cut together the way I shoot it. You can't change it. And uh, Chris Carter basically was like, yeah, just do whatever you want to do. So he um, shot it exactly how he wanted it to. And then this is kind of funny. So he, he ended up liking the episode. I think he brought a lot of style to the episode. I thought the episode looked really cool. And it was his direction that sort of made it... Uh, uh, you know, give gave it like a momentum when really Scully and Mulder are kind of bad detectives in this. Totally. Um, uh, this is this is from The Truth Is Out That the Official Guide to the X-Files. I thought this was really funny. All the fictional kindred of, are similar to the actually existing Amish in several respects. Chris Carter was not concerned about the similarities as the Amish do not watch television. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's what he actually said. Yeah. He's like, no, what, what, are they going to get upset about it? That's, yeah. like, that's like an open mic joke. Right. But he said it for real. Yeah. Very um, true. And also they're like conscientious objectors, so I don't think they can even fight anything. Oh, is that what it is? I think so. Right. I, I think they're like exempt from everything. Yeah. So they just exist as like, a, they're totally open for us to... Be like, yeah, it looks like the Amish people. Yeah, we can uh, make fun of them. They're not going to care about anything. Yeah. <laughs> they're not <laughs> they gonna... just care about barns. Yeah, they're not going to hear this podcast. Yeah. <gasps> Maybe we can make... Is there a way you could introduce podcasting into the Amish world? Oh That's a God. huge untapped market. It is a huge untapped market. I mean, you could... Uh, they don't use money or anything, right? Well, they... It, I have heard that they have a lot of money. How? They, well, there's... Great butter? They, yeah, they sell their stuff. Furniture. They do sell furniture. They sell a lot of stuff. And people in the Midwest are really into it. The, well, in Iowa, there's a pla they're called... Fuck, I forget what they're called. But it's sort of... They're old, but they're not Amish. But they make refrigerators. Interesting. And they make refrigerators, but they're like this old, quaint community. But mm -hmm. that's what they make. They're not uh, like Quakers? Not Quakers. Shit. I can't believe what they're... I can't believe I can't remember what they're called. But I've been there... And it was the most boring weekend of <laughs> yeah, my life. Sure. Um, so uh, Chris Carter, very happy with this installment. I've noticed Chris Carter generally, no matter how the episode is, like, it was great. We did happy a great job. It. Yeah. Well, uh, if his order is dark and scary, yes. I think he's going to be satisfied with most episodes. Most episodes. <laughs> I think the idea is pretty good. And there are some interesting visual moments. Rob Bowman really rose to the occasion and showed us what he is capable of. Uh, a terrific, terrific episode given real style and passion by Rob. Um, uh, and then to people are talking about the ending. He says, I think it's vague. Is it or isn't it? That ambiguity is a hallmark of some of our best episodes. However, co-executive producer, that's from X-Files Confidential, co-executive producer James Wong disagreed with Chris Carter about this subject. He said um, there were problems with the ending of the show in that we pretty much wrapped it up relatively quickly and just threw in something. Those things always seem like a little trick. It's like we try to play a trick on the audience to make them say, ooh, what the heck was that? But when it's not integ integral to the story, it lessens the impact. You don't get a sense of a cathartic moment because we kind of blew it. And Glenn Morgan, who's his writing partner, also wrote a bunch of great episodes talking about the ending. He said, maybe you went too far. 
At what point do we become unbelievable? So these guys are like really upset about They're this. They're really ending. sad about it. <laughs> They're really <laughs> bummed out. And yeah. these guys, it's there's two writing teams that are really good. James Wong and Glenn Morgan and then Howard Gordon and Alex Ganser. Mm-hmm. And they both are like really hard on themselves in all these quotes. Like they always like, they're, even their own episodes, they're like, we didn't really do a great job, even if it's a great episode. Chris Carter, on the other hand, is always very positive. <laughs> Um, and then Chris Carter, uh, Glenn Morgan says, I think people have said that we overstepped the bounds on that one, but not the bounds of like, you know, like hardcore content, just the bounds of sure, like, you of guys the- fucking cheated with this story. <laughs> yeah, the ending. Uh, this That's episode so did pretty well. 7.2 rating, uh, viewed by roughly 6.8 million households and 11.1 million viewers. So this is, uh, I said, you know, after the episodes we talked about last week, these sort of start going up and the season ends on a big high. And this is part of that sort of rising a little bit. Where everybody was starting to catch on watching it. Yeah. It but was like on TV guide and stuff. It, it, it wasn't huge until season three, four, five, yeah. but here it's getting going up. It was never terrible, but it's going up enough that Fox is like, oh, maybe this will be something. So it's not, mm-hmm. it isn't a huge hit for another couple of years, mm-hmm. but you can see some people are catching on. Um, and then what I do is, I didn't do this in the episode you listened to. Do you want to say anything? Do you have anything to say about the episode before we move on? I think that was it. There's a, um, yeah, I think we've covered every aspect. I think aspect. we covered it. I mean, I, I have some it. ideas of how you could fix the ending, but we don't have to touch those right <laughs> what, now. What is it? Do well, it. Well, I think that it would have been more interesting visually to see them sort of uh, go back to that barn or the uh-huh. house or something and have it be, uh, you know, have them have left yeah. and see the things like maybe the photographs change, maybe the stuff changes in there. Oh, the cave is different. The body's uh-huh. different. It's just a it's butcher shop there. in there. They're just like, yeah, they're looking through. Everything's gone. Then they see the crop circle. Oh yeah. Might have should... been a little more satisfying and cathartic. Like rather than just going to the rather crop than just circle. Going, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> all right. All right. Well, the crop this circle. Is like, all right. <laughs> we can never use that ending again. <laughs> yeah. Um, Oh, also, this person had a good idea. So I've been going back to the message boards and reading mm-hmm. message messages from that week that this episode aired. So these are from 1994. Oh, this is amazing. This is what people are saying about it. Uh, a lot of people talk about the crop circles. Yes. Uh, some people disagree, don't like it. Most people don't like it, but then there are people defending the show. Uh, this guy says, kind of cheesy about the crop circles. If you ask me, it would have been better if they'd found the Amish types missing except for Martin buried in the field. We take care of our own. Remember when they said yes, that? Yeah. That actually would oh, have been cool. if they found Martin in that He's cave dead. thing. Yeah. Next to the guy or Marty. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm always one for extraterrestrial tie-ins, but it didn't quite fit this time. Um, I mean, if a guy who can squeeze through Aerodox as a human mutation, why did these sex changers have to be aliens? And then people are defending it. Like, maybe they were aliens. I don't think the crop circles positively imply that they were from outer space. And then people are like... What's the crop circle supposed to imply? The kindred are big John Deere fans? (laughs) And they're all all fighting. And then I was like, you know, for the most part, people get into fights and stuff, but this is the beginning of the internet, so people Mm -hmm. are still writing pretty well. None of the lead speak bullshit is in here yet. There's no, like, weird, like, uh, there's no emoticons. And you realize how much better message boards are when you don't have, like, LOL and AFK and all that bullshit, you know? Too long, didn't read. TLDR <laughs> is like when we look back at the decline of humanity, we're going to be like, that's the first one. That's the first one. Whoever coined TLDR, that's when we started going yeah. down. Because that's just everybody as like humanity going, Pfft. too long. <laughs> oh, someone 
just just don't read it you don't have to say yeah and usually tldr it's not even that l yeah it's not no, it's not it's even like that couple, l just r it's just, just r just r it just r it people have read books you know <laughs> yeah. there are people who have right. r'd entire b's yeah um this, but then i found this review that i thought was pretty i don't want to make fun of someone but i thought it was pretty poorly written so i'm going to read it hi all well, I loved this episode. My favorite scene was when Mulder and Scully are discussing the case in his office. He just kept saying the funniest things and his tone of voice. I can't even remember what he said. I'll have to go back and check. Next paragraph. <laughs> Another one of my favorite scenes was when Scully was in that guy's... Can't remember his name. And he takes her hand. She gets that look on her face and can't resist him. I loved that, especially when Mulder grabbed her and it was like she was unconscious. She didn't react to him or anything. Mulder asks her what the hell she was doing up there and she didn't know. Next step, <laughs> next paragraph. I thought this episode was excellent in the way they had Mulder and Scully interacting. Of course, all of them were that way. For some reason, I wasn't scared by this episode. I can't figure out why, since it's a pretty scary episode. Next paragraph, last paragraph. This is the... You know, I love that it has paragraphs. Yeah, this, you know? this sums up everything. It's a different era. I love the ending. I was shocked. I figured that someone's body was out there. Maybe someone was stuck halfway between changing. But Ooh, when they went idea. back and showed the circle, that was great. So that's how that <laughs> went. Great. And then another thing that's happening is, so obviously uh, people really like the character of Scully. It's a very strong female character. And what happens is in the beginning, what I've noticed is that her character... In the first few episodes, she's such a great actress and her presence is so good, but a little bit that character is defined in opposition to Mulder. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of a bummer that she's always wrong. It's kind of, you know, so Mulder in the beginning at least is the one propelling the story because Mulder's like, let's go do this. And she's like, I don't want to do yeah, that. Let's she's not like, do let's that. Not, I just, I'm going to write notes. Exactly. Which is like <laughs> a shitty character it, it sucks to be that character right. to, to play that character she does an amazing job she's like job. the foil kind of she's not, she's not the villain but she's just like no, she's, I don't want to go she's almost w trying to stop the story from happening and as someone watching a TV show you want the story to happen so inevitably you know it's just it's, it's, it's just not her character unfortunately the first few episodes is not as interesting to talk about right uh, the episode we talked about last time Beyond the Sea she we sort of start seeing more about her and her character becomes more and more interesting but she played it so well that you know uh, it, it, i think people latched on to her um what happens a little bit is you see that scully's put in danger of bunch in this mm -hmm. and, and so this is a i thought it was interesting that early on people are having these conversations uh, about Scully, they say, I would tend to agree that the writers of the show have given Scully too little credit in many of her encounters with various threats. Notable exception to this, however, was in Squeeze, where she effectively holds off the killer. She certainly demonstrates some fair degree of her training by going for the assailant's eyes in one scene, and then later, once she's recovered a sidearm, by checking the vents in her apartment. But sadly, in subsequent episodes, the emphasis has shifted away from her and onto Mulder. As fascinating a character as he may be, the telling of the story from her viewpoint was one of the devices that established the plausibility of the early episode's feedback. Um, and then people are like, I feel that the writer sometimes plays her in the stereotypical damsel in distress situations because it's the easy thing to do. Um, I can just consider this a cheap plot device. Whenever the writers need some tension, they can always have the bad guy attack the poor unsuspecting female, even though it might have been more interesting to have the crawler guy and Mulder matching wits. Um, and then, so people are sort of arguing back and forth about that. So you could mm -hmm. sort of see people are having a negative reaction to um, whenever Scully's sort of put in these tough situations, you know. Mm -hmm. And then some people argue 
this argument, I fucking hate this argument where people are like, no, but that's just who the guy went after. Like, right, yeah. someone wrote they that. They wrote it. It's, yeah. It didn't just happen. It didn't this just is like happen. a reality show. I fucking hate yeah, that where they're like, the no, the guy just no, went no, after that's how, that's how, like, life is. That's, like, <laughs> that's what life that's what does. Happened. In, in X-Files life, uh, that's how it happens. It's so, I think it's, 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 it's such a weird, because Scully is actually our entrance into the show. That's like, exactly she's right. who, how right. we get into the show but at the beginning, because I watched the rewatched the pilot, and I love that she like gets interested in you know in the in what they're. I love how it peeks through, yeah, because she's like trying to be a federal agent and do her job, which is to spy on him, and then but she gets into it because it's her job, and she's in scientist and interested in yeah, what she's doing. Yeah, but it, yeah, it is weird that they didn't have the maybe not confidence or they just didn't think. I don't know. They just get, got caught up in cliches, but like Mulder is the weirdo. Yeah, Mulder's like, the weirdo. Mulder is Spock, you know? Yes. Like, and we're there, we're supposed to be watching through Kirk, you know? And yes. she's Kirk, so it doesn't make sense when she's constantly put in distress, which I think we'll probably talk about in the other yes. episode conversation, because yes. it's just cheap. It's like, she's a crop circle. Exactly. You know? She's a crop circle. <laughs> That's exactly right. She's a crop circle. There's a total crop circle moment in the next one, too, oh, yeah. that we'll talk and, about. She, she is, to me, like a... Uh, an evolution out of like agent starling you know that's like, right the that's next a- step of like oh okay she is not fresh and just out of the thing and she's also not sort of crumbling and falling apart and scared that's right but she is into her job and trying to be really good at it yes and wait like a little bit in over her head probably in a lot of these storylines um yeah, I don't know how to end that. No, but other that's than exactly. throwing a crop circle. Yeah, the crop circle. <laughs> Wide shot crop circle. That is good when you sometimes run out of a thing to crop circle. Crop circle. Just say that. Um, <laughs> so a lot of people are talking about that. I found another interesting thing. That's interesting that you said that because people do compare them to uh, Sherlock and Watson a little bit. Oh yeah. And Sherlock's the weirdo, and Watson sort of are into yeah. you know these these sort of crazy stories. Um, and they also talk about what I just mentioned, that she can be kind of, it's kind of a bummer to have her always be wrong. Um, they said, uh, he's talking about a bunch of stuff. Um, contribute, uh, some people would disagree with me and say that these situations were not her fault, which is when she's in distress. Perhaps that may be true. However, I think this certainly contributes to my impression of her character being weak at times. Compounding this is the way the writers have portrayed her point of view, her view of the things she and Mulder encounter. The writers have seriously hampered themselves by insisting that Scully not be around when any of the weird but important things happen. This leads to a situation where Mulder and the viewers know that something extraordinary is going on, but Scully somehow manages to miss the event. (laughs) Sometimes she's out of the room, which may be somewhat believable if a bit too convenient, and sometimes she literally falls down on the job, as in the forest in the pilot episode. (laughs) She literally just falls down. She just falls down. She can't see it. This leads to our being frustrated with her character, and some viewers call her dense. Uh, And as an earlier poster mentioned, this is reflective of a Holmes and Watson syndrome where Mulder has all the knowledge and Scully is perennially in the dark. This is an unhealthy situation in what is supposed to be an equal partnership. Um... I think that's a very interesting point. I am, uh, there's another one. Oh, and then this is the person who's defending him. It's like, 
He's, you know, he just goes through it. It's just poorly written, but he says, perhaps it's not that the writers put Scully in distress more often because she's a female, but because we notice it more because she's a female. <laughs> the fault could be with the audience just as much as with the writers. Yeah. So they're like, listen, if you think this is happening, you're the one seeing yeah. it, so it's your fault Don't, for seeing it. It's your fault for being a victim here. Yeah, why? I mean, you are the one that fell. <laughs> why did you fall? <laughs> Oh, okay, so I found this. I'm going to read this. And then someone posted, do you know Tom Shales? I don't think so. He is this fucking TV reviewer, okay? Yes. And so this is his review of the X-Files, and someone found it and posted it. And this is the time where reviews aren't online. Yes. And it is one of the most negative reviews I've read of anything. And it gets me angry that it's off so the So someone took the time to transcribe this yes. and post it on the internet. They totally well, did. Because, from right. like TV Guide or from where? This is from the Washington Post. Oh, okay. Because they were typing quickly. It says the Washington pot. <laughs> so That's this basically is, what it is now. Uh, the, <laughs> it know? totally is. Just in the shitter. <laughs> um, and so this is the review and it got me kind of angry reading it because it's so smug. Too, oh, you know, and it's like so I really dismissive. hate a smug review. In the premiere of Fox's The X-Files tonight, this is about the first episode, the pilot, the hero and heroine discovered that are alarmed that the time period between 9.03 and 9.13 has been completely obliterated by a white flash of light. And for the life of them, they can't account for those missing minutes. Yes, and you're ahead of me, aren't you? Viewers who stick through all of the X-Files from 9 to 10 on Channel 5 may feel as if that hour has been obliterated too. Where, oh, where did those missing minutes go? David Duchovny stars as Maverick FBI agent Fox Mulder and Gillian Anderson plays young FBI agent Dana Scully in the drama series, an anthology about a duo who investigate paranormal phenomena. It's not quite sci-fi, not quite fantasy, and yet not quite realistic either. It's not quite a show is what it's not quite. <laughs> oh my God. What a fucking... <laughs> this is quite smug. This is the monster of the week. <laughs> <laughs> On the premiere, we learned that something funny is happening in the Northwest, in Northwest Oregon, as if we didn't already know that. What do you, what do you mean? Great uh, Oregon joke. Yeah, great <laughs> Oregon joke. Way to take down Oregon. <laughs> yeah, like, what, 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 what are a bunch of weirdos up there, huh? <laughs> America? <laughs> it seems people are walking around in the woods at night, and the wind comes up, and then a bright light, and ouch, they end up with two funny little marks on the lower backs, as if from a vampire with a bad sense of anatomy. Then comes an imitation of a sequence from Sounds of the Lambs. Agent Scully trains in Quantico because, you know, if you're training in Quantico. Right. That's, that's been a, done before that's for federal what? agents. So it's not like you. <laughs> God, get the Pentagon out of here. Yeah, I've wait. seen the Pentagon so many times. Yeah, get like, the Pentagon federal out federal agents of change it up every now and then? She learns she used <laughs> to be teamed with Mulder the Maverick, who is cold and hostile when he first meets her. But hey, there's something about him she kind of likes. He looks a little like Richard Gere. Perhaps that's it. So what? he's being a that's fucking... That's pretty reductive. That's like mas misogynistic, Super, too. Super, like. yeah. They go off to Oregon, which he... Like, she couldn't just be intrigued as, like, a colleague that, like, she's heard all this about the guy that he's, yeah. like, a super weirdo, so she's like, this is weird. And it <laughs> is... I think the pilot does such a great job, as you just said, of getting her sort of interested yeah. in his crusade. Like, she gets enough cool stuff happening yeah. that she's like, oh, something's going she's on. She's like, this guy might actually be right. No, it could just be that she thinks he's hot. Yeah, she just thinks he's hot. They go off to Oregon where they meet a woman in a loony bin who has a fit and exhibits the same two funny little marks and then to make matters even more bizarre, but not more interesting... <laughs> The intrepid FBI agents meet a boy who has been in a coma for four years, but suddenly gets an urge to take a hike. You may get an urge to take a hike, too. No. But pity the poor critic who has to sit there with a big grin on his face and watch the whole stupid thing. 
Yeah, you have such a tough job. It's you have to so watch bad. TV Wait, shows. So this guy's name is Tom Shale, not Tom Shallot. No, Tom He's, Shales. He sounds very much like a Gene Shallot review. He does. You might want to take a hike. <laughs> it totally is a Gene Shallot <laughs> review. He's a Gene Shallot type. All sorts of logical explanations for the unexplained mysterious happenings are examined. There's lab test upon lab test upon lab test. And then a scientist asks, might we not finally turn to the fantastic as a possibility? <laughs> hmm. Well, we might, but only if we cared enough to wonder about any of this malarkey in the first place. Writer-producer Chris Carter and director Robert Mandel should probably get credit for trying to bring something a little different to primetime, even if it does fit in with Fox's persistently tabloid tone. But X-Files is too iffy and inconclusive to be satisfying. And then, okay, he's going to do a pun. If, Can you guess what the, sh what the pun is uh, going to be? It's on the name of the X-Files? It is on the name of um, the X-Files. Oh my God! My brain is flipping so fast that I can't figure it Here out. Here we is go. You're gonna, you're gonna yeah, be like, I'm oh, it was so right bad. there. At the end, crucial evidence is salted away in the Pentagon, never to be seen again. That's the fucking That's point. That's the best part. That's the best part. The same fate. Are you ahead of me again? Could be wished on the X Files. The X Files oh. ought to be the X series before very long. Oh my God. Fucking Tom Shales. So. I love that he says lab test upon lab test because I want to just go back in time and be like, just wait. Yeah. Just wait if to you see what TV tests, turns into <laughs> yeah. because it's basically lab tests from 8 to 11 p.m. every night. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like CSI lab test, yeah. uh, law and order special lab test <laughs> special unit. Special lab test unit. A lot of people say that X-Files is the one that sort of introduced that whole yeah. forensic element to you know that those kinds of TV the shows. The procedural part. I mean, because law and order was existing already was already on for a couple of years before the x-files started and they never talked to the <laughs> me like they never even said me before that yeah. and then, then they became like a character in the opening credits of svu she's yeah. like an integral character yeah and each of them is now like they show them on the stand all that stuff yeah all that stuff and They're it's all from the show it's all from the x-files yeah. i mean there's so many shows now bones cold case yeah all the csis all NCIS. the ncis all right, so that was us talking about Gender Bender. Like I said, it's a it's an interesting episode. It's not an amazing episode, but it's 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 there's there's some like really great creepy stuff in it. Um, like I said earlier, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Um, you know, it's a uh, it's very simple and easy to use. They have a bunch of beautiful designs. You can just drag and drop content. Um, and if you have problems, which you won't, because it's so simple. Uh, they have 24-7 support through live chat and email. They're located in New York City, Dublin, and Portland. Plans start at just $8 a month and include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. The design is very responsive, very easy to understand, um, and every site comes with an online store. Um, and you can start a trial with no credit card and start building your website like today. You could do this today. Um, when you sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use X-Files files as the offer code. You'll get 10% off your first purchase, and it'll show your support for the X-Files files. And uh, like I said, I'm on this show on HBO called Silicon Valley, and we just found out we got nominated for a bunch of Emmys. We got nominated for Best Comedy Show best writing and best director so it's really really exciting and fantastic uh, I just literally found out like an hour ago so I'm still sort of on a high and I'm getting a bunch of text messages and uh, Kid Cuddy started following me on Twitter so it's all very exciting <laughs> uh, some of the some of those are more exciting than others but uh, on the show I think I've mentioned this before Pied Piper.com is a program we made 
And uh, for viral marketing, HBO made a Pied Piper website, and they were like, oh, we don't want to spend too much time doing this. We want we want to put up a website that's awesome and great looking, but we don't really want to like sweat and figure out how to do it. So you know what they did? They used Squarespace.com. They probably did not use the offer code because, well, the show wasn't around, and it's HBO. They've got the money. They don't need 10% off. It's like eight bucks a month. HBO can afford that. So if the Emmy-nominated show... Silicon Valley uh, uses Squarespace, you can do it too, you know? So please go ahead and do it. Uh, this is uh, how you'll show support for the show. Um, Squarespace, a better web starts with your website. So yeah, so that episode, uh, interesting ideas, doesn't quite come together. Next episode, Young at Heart, uh, written by Chris Carter and Scott Kofer, who's a friend of his. He talks about how he, they're best friends, which is... <laughs> Great. Directed by Michael Lang. This is why I wanted to see this episode. So this episode, <clears throat> um, I think we're going to get into it. Uh, what What did you think of the episode overall before I... Um, I like this episode as like a, just like, I mean, it sort of leads to other things, but I liked it. I actually liked the direction in this episode like a ton. It reminded me, well, the pilot reminded me a little bit of David Lynch because of the Northwest implications of like twin peaks kind of yes and then this episode really reminded me of david lynch in the like end sequence i don't want to get too ahead of ourselves but the way it was shot and the name is young at heart and it reminded me of wild at heart yes and the way some of those scenes like sort of in the beginning and then it's the flashbacks in the movie wild at heart in in the theater the sort of um nefarious nature of the way it was shot i just i loved it i uh, the reason i wanted to see this episode is that there's an image in this episode that whenever i think of the x-files it's one of the images that comes to my head which is the guy with the salamander (laughs) head at the end uh people have seen this episode so it's not a spoiler um the guy as he dies at the end he's being held down and you see his salamander hand go limp whenever i think of the x-files that's one of the images that comes to my head because I remember watching it when it first came out and it like really, really freaked me out. Like oh, it really yeah. got under my skin. I don't remember watching this episode since then. Um, I mean, I've certainly seen it, but I don't have like specific memories of like rewatching it later. But that image, and I knew it was from this episode, I was like, because we skipped an episode called Lazarus. Mm-hmm. And what happens in Lazarus, and the reason I wanted to skip it was... Uh, Scully's ex-boyfriend comes back and then his he die his 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 body's possessed by a bad guy. Right. I thought that was weird because it's okay if Mulder and Scully are chasing weird shit. It makes sense that they're always around weird shit if they're chasing it. But it just if it just happens to them, to me that's a little unbelievable. Um I didn't think the guy's relationship with Scully really made sense. Um it's just not I just didn't like that episode. It's like too convenient. It was a little too convenient. And it's also that thing of like, she's into like older professor type guys, which it seems to me that's not what Scully would be into maybe. More of the Agent Starling stuff. More more of the Agent Starling stuff. That's exactly right. But this episode, I thought that that image was so cool. And then the opening, the cold open when the guy goes in. And as soon as I saw that where the guy's on the table and his arm is cut off. Yeah. And it's shot. That scene is shot so matter-of-factly and it stays on the guy like who looks dead with the cataract eyes, mm-hmm. with the cut-off arm. He just sort of lays there still and they kind of show it for a while. It just was so creepy. It's very creepy. And then creepy. when he blinks, I thought that was such a fucking scary, awesome image. Yeah. Um, and then obviously it, that 
exact images mirrored at the end where the guy, that same guy, now much younger, weirdly, is on the table again and he goes dead again. Yeah. I really like that part of it. Some of it I felt like uh, didn't work. One of the things, and I'll sort of point it out as we go, I feel like Mulder is a really, really bad cop in this episode. (laughs) He's really bad at it. There's one part where... So the premise is that Mulder had this guy he put away. And there's a whole backstory of how Mulder was like a total by-the-books guy. And because of his neglect, this guy ended up shooting one of Mulder's colleagues. And... Um, and so then Mulder went off the book after yeah. that. Is it's that... like the missed opportunity that pushed him over the edge and yeah. put him in the basement, basically, right? Which is crazy because it would be his sister's abduction. I thought that yeah. was like his big backstory, not some fucking guy. So, um, so this guy then starts taunting Mulder again, even though he's dead. And we find out that this guy has sort of undergone some sort of tests and is now young. This is another thing that the Zach Handlin from AV Club pointed out was like, these scientists, I know you need people to experiment on. Don't do it on criminals. If it works, uh, yeah. now you've got like a super criminal. Super criminal, yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, there's a part where uh, the guy, the, the Reggie, who's Mul- the, the, the the black guy who's like Mulder's oh, ex-partner. Yes. By yeah. the way, if you were Mulder's oh, ex-partner, right. yes, Reggie. you're going to end out. up dying. Yeah. Yeah. Reggie. Reggie. <laughs> Reggie. Um. He says, uh, Mulder says description, and he goes, white guy, 5'11 to 6 feet tall, ski mask. And then Mulder goes, that's Barnett. What? Yeah. How do you know? How, there's no way you can know if that. If he's wearing a ski mask. That, that has... was what I found so weird about this episode, is it's just Mulder constantly saying, I know it is. I know it is. Yeah. I know it is. I know, like, oh, just over and over yeah. again. Where you're like, somebody just believe him, because he is just shouting. I just thought that specifically was such a weird, because it's like a guy in a ski mask. Yeah. Mulder isn't like, oh, that could be anybody. Right. Oh, that's Barnett. Yeah. Ski there's mask? no way that you know that. There's also that weird thing while Mulder is flirting with the handwriting, or she's flirting with him. Remember that? The handwriting expert lady? How did I miss that? Because she says, you just brought this in 10 minutes uh, ago, and then she says, 10 minutes may be enough for you, Mulder. I wouldn't know. (laughs) Like, it's this weird thing where it's like, how long are you going to have sex? Like, it's kind of weird because she's not someone who you would traditionally think would be a person who would be flirting with Mulder. Um, I thought the uh, the video footage. Remember when they showed the video footage yeah. of Mulder not shooting the guy? Yes. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I didn't like that Mulder used to be by the book, and this is the incident that made him. In the early episodes, a lot of stuff that happens that I realize isn't good is when the episode there's a specific episode that tries to explain something about their character with one thing and it seems so reductive Mm -hmm. and it happens in fire the episode called fire where Mulder is afraid of fire for some reason and that (laughs) never comes up again (laughs) (laughs) and in this one it's that this incident makes him like not by the books i couldn't ever imagine Mulder not being super into ufos and shit yeah they Um, kind of like in the pilot they kind of uh allude to it being that I think somebody says like he was so good. Of course he has to be crazy. You yes. know, like you couldn't possibly be this good at your job, right? And if not you be weren't crazy. a nut. And yeah. so like then to go back and be like, no, 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 he was a good cop at one point. Yeah. And then just this one dude really stared him down in court. And even what the fucking dude did, of the fact that Mulder didn't shoot him, where they all kind of chastise him. Yeah. That felt like the right thing. I think yeah. Mulder did the right. I think not shooting someone is 
kind of always a good choice. Well, yeah, because and there was a hostage there. Yeah, it's not like Mulder. That guy was completely open, and you know, Mulder could have killed a hostage. The book says if he had killed a hostage, Mulder would have gone to like jail for it. Oh yeah. Um, I thought a funny part was was so Scully goes to Reggie and Reggie shows him the video her the videotape which Reggie just has lying around. <laughs> right. As soon as she goes up, Mulder's like, "Did he show you the videotape?" <laughs> I feel like Reggie's just like bringing people yeah. down. Like, hey, you guys want to see the videotape? Every time people come over, it's like an old Lakers tape, <laughs> yeah, or like exactly. in Three Men and a Baby. He's hey, like, look at this. Peter Tom Selleck being like, <laughs> "Best clutch shot, best clutch shot in history." <laughs> and there's also the part where then Mulder says that the guy who ends up dying because of Mulder's quote-unquote negligence that his son is an all-star football player like why are you following his kid's career that's, that's creepy weirdest, yeah and then he just goes and watches the kid play a game like yeah. oh oh by the way that guy that's responsible for your dad's death is back. he's right there yeah that fucking guy <laughs> um and then there's the part where Mulder goes to the car and there's another taunting note there and Mulder just yells like i'll get you you son of a bitch like <laughs> yeah. nothing says that this is a cop who doesn't have his shit down than just yelling, I'm going to get you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> at, like, screaming nothing. into the ether. <laughs> yeah, screaming it into nothing. You're just like, I. this is all I've got. Yeah, there's a kid's yelling. football game going on. They <laughs> yeah. should be like, these are the people protecting us, right. by the way. Um, can we also talk about how good the dead guy's handwriting was? Yeah, it was it's great. It's really good handwriting. Really impeccable handwriting. And his hand is a salamander. And it's a salamander hand. One thing you should do, have you looked up like... Because uh, salamanders can like regrow yes, limbs. Yes, actually, uh, in I think it was my sixth grade science fair. Um, I think I tried to make an electromagnet, which didn't really work <laughs> too well. I was like really into electricity. But um, this one gal whose name was Kirsten, I think, she experimented on salamanders in sixth grade. She cut off. She cut off their. Oh tail no and then she put like one of them in a closet like basically put t took the in uh deprivation sensory oh, deprivation no. to see if it would work and my my mom who raised me vegetarian yeah was so mad she like went to the school and was like you cannot let these kids do experiments That's, like this this is terrifying was the school okay with it i feel like yes but also as a kid so i don't really remember if there was any wow. she was a weirdo i'm sure that she's probably like a scientist now and probably like working for nasa Fucking or something just because she was like who cares? You know, like, I just want to know. Yeah. Like, that, she just, like, cut to the quick of the salamander. Uh, but, yeah, I know about salamanders because they, of that. There's, a, there's pictures online of, the, like, they cut their limbs off and then they slowly regrow. Yeah. It's fucking weird it's and creepy. Because the hand comes back fully, like, with all the fingers and shit. Yeah. It's not just, like, a replacement hand. Right. It's the whole thing. It's, it's the whole the thing. It's not just stump that, like, well, I'll try to get <laughs> yeah, no. some mobility back. Like, it's fingers. It's better it's than it's ever been. yeah. Yeah, it's phalanges. <laughs> it's phalanges. <laughs> There's the one part where Reggie says to Mulder, like, hey, maybe someone from the Bureau is behind this. Like, they're trying to, like, prank Mulder so that Mulder, Mulder oh, falls. Oh, yeah, like, go crazy. And he gets so excited. He's like, oh, it's a conspiracy? <laughs> okay, great. This is my shit. This is another thing I've noticed that they do a lot in the first season is that they have people from the past come back to give the stories import. Like it happens in Fire, right. his ex-girlfriend comes back. It happens in Lazarus. It happens in Ghost in the Machine. And what happens is like you really don't need it. You're adding history that's unnecessary because I think these characters, for the most part, are so good that you don't need to like weigh, add weight to right. why they're, you know, to the 
to those to you don't need to add weight to these stories these stories are good on their own yeah they're like fascinating and it's actually well you're saying weight it's like actually weighing them down yeah and you're exactly. spending too much time on that stuff when you really just want to see how they react to it now and then the history is being built in the first season that's and right and then in the second season you you now have spent all this time with them and you understand how they operate and now they're going to operate differently because of the things they did in the first season and then you start bringing back like little tiny bits of history and to me that's second right. season is when you do that stuff right you know, that's when you add i think you're right and i think that they're doing in the first season is just sort of a little bit of you know lack of confidence a yeah. little bit i think where For they sure. they aren't completely confident in the characters they've created or the stories and it's completely understandable if you watch the first half of season one is way stronger than the second half mm -hmm. too so uh, I think they sort of had, had, they're sort of freaking out a little bit. Like they have all these stories and we just want to throw all these stories at the wall. And then they're like, oh shit, we've used all the good stories. So let's just have like some, so we need like an evil computer episode. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. So they do some of that. And I don't remember it happening as much in subsequent season, but it really happens in the first, in the first season. Because later then, you know, their families become part of it. And that's a yeah. much more organic thing. It makes sense that you would just ex open... Yes. You know, the world would grow to see like, oh, okay, now I understand. Right. You have family. Instead of being like, oh, ex-boyfriend, look at this. And yeah. he's possessed now. Because yeah. <laughs> that makes sense because now that you're involved in this stuff, these things would start happening. Yeah, that is crazy. It's a bit of a leap. to like, It's a total leap. When you're launching a show that you would immediately do that, I would totally buy it in a second season. Yeah. Third season. Well, because you've seen enough stuff. Like if you've seen like 40 things, one of them could be weird like that. But yeah. if you've only seen 10 things, 10 things. one on. of them being weird like that is, is weird. Although the the guy, the bad guy who is uh, Mulder is like nemesis in this. Yeah. He he's great at drink, drinking water in a creepy way. Super weird. I, with I, handcuffs I, in a courtroom. Yeah, I bet that's what the, the script said. Like, <laughs> drink water in like a really bad, bad, really creepy. creepy way. <laughs> Make it like super creepy. Make water really creepy why is he so smug does he know he's gonna live forever he doesn't know that no i think i mean i think he's just like supposed to be pure evil yeah it, because right i mean right. i don't know how often this would happen this actually happens in real life in crime in a hostage situation but i feel like many people many criminals who take hostages in like a heat of a moment kind of a thing that it's not like a hostage thing where yeah. they take you know like a dog day afternoon but like where they just grab somebody as a human shield yeah i feel like 10 times out of 10 that criminal is not going to kill that person i would think so you know like they, they don't because that's not the point you know they're just right. trying to get out of there right they don't actually want to murder that person right but i think he is supposed to be pure evil that he does not care. He's just a monster. He will just kill whatever. So maybe that makes sense. That's why he's being smug because he's like, I'm going to get he's put He's like, I don't care. I'll kill you. Well, well he says kill I'll you. kill you, but he has no way of backing yeah, that up. <laughs> right. But it would still suck to hear that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so smug. Another thing I noticed about this episode, uh, it's not as funny. There's some funny stuff in the beginning where Mulder says, oh, she says, why are we here? Scully says, why are we here? And Mulder goes like, Oh, it's a felony because it's a robbery in a jewelry store. And she's like, thank you. So there's some rapport stuff. But later, the episode isn't as funny as some of the other episodes, which I didn't love. And I didn't love um, that Mulder is a pretty bad cop in this. He does. He really does nothing. Uh, it moves slow because of that. He makes no headway. 
And then Scully's friend has a cello recital at the end. (laughs) And that's the crop circle. Oh, he just knows that I'm going to a cello recital. (laughs) He figured out my... I I do love that she's like, he figured out my voicemail or my answering machine code. Because I totally forgot about that. The dial-in number. She's like, he figured out my dial-in number. Like, oh man, I could go to a payphone and check my messages. The other thing that I miss is that the scene that we've lost now is the, um, the putting the trace... On the phone yes. now that we all have caller ID. Yeah. That used to be such a big part of... But they still do that. They still do. Why? They still do that. And it's also the fakest thing. Like, traces are like that. Yeah. Like, as soon as you press the button, it's traced. It doesn't, like, have to go through a map on yeah, the Yeah, you see wall. the map, like, <laughs> like, getting smaller. Oh, we can't get around the church. I don't know. <laughs> Hang on. Keep him on there. <laughs> we can't get around the church. <laughs> There's too much spirituality in this. Him. Talk to him about the Animaniacs or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like such bullshit. <laughs> That's, oh, so, uh, the Tiny Toons are Animaniacs. I gotta know. <laughs> I gotta know. Where do you fall? Uh, have you played the Pokemon games? <laughs> Are you into it? I like Magic the Gathering. I, I Mulder is such a bad cop in this because there's one part also where he says, I stood next to you while you're getting coffee this morning. Like, that is, you're a terrible cop. Because that guy's also at the fucking game, right? Yeah. When Mulder just He's goes everywhere. to watch the game. And the other thing that I think is super dumb, they always, I think this is bad writing, is when they have, like, latch onto one thing that makes someone human. So, like, the guy's dead. And they show that it's sad because the kid is now an all-star football player and the dad can't right. see it. And also when Reggie dies, Mulder's like, oh, he was working on this novel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just got divorced. Like it was like insult or his like wife died. Is from that cancer. what it was? That's what it was. She was battling kids. It's like just laying all this sadness yeah. on top of you. I think what it does a lot is like so they've got this image of the salamander hand that they know is coming out coming up later so they really kind of lean on that a little bit where oh, they're yeah. like oh the writing's the same but it's kind of different it's almost like they're wearing gloves or it's like there's no f- handprint so they're like really sort of set up the hand being a thing coming up and i think that works well because i think that hand is a fucking creepy ass image it's a very creepy image i am how did they not see that guy they spent so much time with that um like criminal sketch artist who yeah with all different versions that didn't have a mouse and she was changing it which i'm not like how a, is she changing it like a scholar about photoshop or photo imaging programs but i do believe that they did not really exist before a mouse technology <laughs> existed and i don't think you could just have a ton of keystrokes and then like make him old well because <laughs> there's also a part where Mulder goes uh he must be wearing some kind of disguise and she just puts like a beard like on a him huge, like a huge like carnival beard on him. yeah like, what kind of disguise yeah. be a little more specific Put a on there or something and then i did some research on this so um they basically the guy reverse engineers progeria or kids who have progeria and that disease and that's how he makes people like younger is using that and there's a cool idea in there where he says that he saw a disease as a um how does he call it uh like an illness as a as an illness rather than an inevitability i thought that was a fun idea so they showed that they showed the girl, the progeria girl in the footage, and Mulder goes, she looks about 90. Like, don't be a fucking asshole. She doesn't look 90. She doesn't look 90. And I looked her up, and that was that's a real kid who yeah. has progeria. And they contacted, here I'm going to look up exactly, they contacted, like, the progeria, like, foundation, and they found this girl uh, who uh, is far as i can tell still around you're kidding and she was the prom queen 
in 2004 oh, that's awesome. of her uh, school. How old was she there? I think she was probably six or something because wow. it was prom queen 12 years, mm. 93, 2004. Yeah, yeah that, that yeah. works about right. Um, and as far as I could tell, she's still alive. Wow. Um, so that's pretty impressive. And yeah. I didn't know how I felt. I was like, that's weird that they got a real person who has a real disease to like sort of show this, you know. But but apparently she was a big fan of the show. Yeah. And the parents were fans of the show. So it's kind of cool that this kid got to be in this show. And I can't imagine that it's any... I mean, it seems better to me. And she wasn't... I don't think she was like portrayed in a sad way in no. any way. it's it's definitely not worse than like maury because like maury? maury has kids with progeria and like extreme dwarfism and stuff oh like really the, i haven't like seen the kids maury. that have like i used to spend a lot of uh daytime tv by myself because i was an only child so i spent a lot of time just watching whatever garbage was on television or just you being lonely watching yeah well i'm okay but yeah i th- i feel like this show and if she's a fan and stuff it's like i i don't know how this came up but i was looking up primordial dwarf oh that's yesterday. that's what i meant yeah. and that's when they're like uh very very so very small. small but also in the right proportions so yes they i mean like like as big as an arm they, they're like and i do not mean this in a funny way they are like a ventriloquist's dummy size that's like yeah, how big they, they are. are they're like little doll size yeah they're like a doll yeah. Oh, he says he saw aging as an opportunistic disease is the quote. And I thought that was a fun quote. Um, again, in this one. Uh, oh, one thing I, I want to say real quick. They call him. They call the doctor, by the way, who when he shows up, he looks just like Waldo. Mm-hmm. If you oh, look yeah. at it again, he's got the Waldo glasses. He's yes. got Waldo face with, with creepy cataract eyes. And he looks a little bit like Bob Geldof in the in the wall too. Oh yeah, <laughs> like slicked back, yeah, hair and yeah. But they call him Doctor Mengele, which is another Nazi reference. This is a theme that keeps coming up, at least in the first season, a lot, and more and more as it goes. Where like World War II crimes, we defeated the Nazis. We don't do the shit they do, and then you find out. That the government, mm-hmm. at least on the show, yeah. is doing the very shit that we sort of fought the government, th- that we fought the Nazis to, you know. The reason that we didn't like the Nazis is exactly the stuff that our government is doing now. It's the ghost of the past haunting us. You see that a lot. Again, in this episode, Scully's in danger, huh? Or, yeah. or at least they, they sort of play that she's going to be in danger. I mean, she, like, knowingly agrees to be in danger. So I yeah. have, like, a little less of a problem with that. Yeah, this, yeah. Because she's, like, wearing the vest and she knows what's up. And Well, they, they set up earlier. Earlier, you think she's in danger, but it turns out to be just that doctor. Right. They do that. And he says, the man who owns the fountain of youth rules the world, which is not, like, a an existing quote but he says it as if it's like the right. oldest it's totally quote. like a it, it's almost like a cartoony villain kind of yes. a thing to say like haha you know? yeah rules the world <laughs> yeah um and then when he says that the government finances reaches research Mulder gets excited again oh the government sucks okay yeah. this makes yeah. sense the other thing deep throat shows up and deep throat tells him again i felt i always love when deep throat shows up in this episode it felt a bit of a crutch where Mulder, who had figured Mulder and scully in this episode have figured nothing out mm-hmm. they've done really nothing they've made no headway and then suddenly deep throat shows up just to tell them what the story is and this was the first time i felt like it felt like a little deus exy you know where yeah. he shows up just to um, sort of tell them the stuff they need to know. Uh, Scully's friend has a cello recital, which I thought was very, <laughs> very adorable. If you guys go back and watch, or you should watch too, right at 41, right when mm-hmm. the guy pulls out a gun, 
Uh, Mulder pushes a guy super hard for yeah. no reason. <laughs> he pushes him for no reason. That's awesome. I watched it five times. Yeah. Is it this, is in slow-mo or it's in regular speed? It's in regular mo. Okay. But he pushes like a guy who's off to the side. Not anyway. even in his way. He's not in his way. <laughs> Mulder pushes him super hard for no reason. Um, and then at the end, Mulder is big. They set up the exact same scenario again. Right. That, you know, earlier Barnett has a human shield and he doesn't do anything. And now he's got the cellist human shield and now yeah. Mulder does the right thing. I thought that was a little, um, little pat. It was little, on the nose. Little, little on the <laughs> nose. And it's this big like, hey, you didn't do it by the book. You did it. You did it. Which you is like, it. it's okay. Mulder's not been doing shit by the book for a long time. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's like in the basement. In basement. <laughs> yeah. He's locked in the basement <laughs> looking for UFOs. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's a problem for him anymore. Um, so this episode uh, has exactly the same ratings as the last one 7.2 uh, share 6.8 million households exactly the same the one between them Lazarus was up a little bit oh, and okay. so, so, so there's the one we talked about then Lazarus is up and then this one is back down um, oh yeah the contact of the Progeria Society the girl's name is Courtney Arciaga and uh, they said, co-executive producer R.W. Goodwin said it was a very, very touching moment for us on an individual basis when we contacted the parents. We found out they were big fans of the show, as was the little girl. It was almost like a make-a-wish kind of thing. It was wonderful. Uh, which is weird, because make-a-wish, she's still alive. Yeah, for sure. She was adorable in that footage, though. Like, yeah. I she did a great job. Yeah, she <laughs> was great. She's in one other thing. I, I, I forget what it was. Michael Lang really liked the episode. I liked the script very much. I liked it because it had a lot of good spookiness to it. To me, the intriguing part of the doctor's research uh, into being able to reverse the aging process, which I wish we could have explored more. Um, and then the director says, we felt it was good because it made the disease visible. So it helped create more public awareness of it. So they're talking about how they did mm -hmm. a service to progeria. Um, when John Barnett dies in the hospital near the end of this episode, it is the first time in the series that Mulder has been directly responsible for her death. So that's interesting. That is interesting. Um, before I go to the message boards, which I really think are pretty interesting this time, <laughs> is there something you want to say about the episode? Um, I really liked the the cataracts. Thing, yeah. That there was like one thing he couldn't they figure couldn't out. Because that's yeah. always, you know, I like I, it might be a little cliched, but I love No, I that. liked it. But there's like just one obstacle keeping you from being able to do to, to reach perfection it yeah. was always an achilles heel that like i just can't i can't get the eyes yeah you exactly the, i mean that's like in art too like there's always like one thing that an artist like can't portray like i just can't get ears i can't yeah. do it it's like you can just never be perfect at something because we're human yeah you know? exactly like if you look at the statue of david he clearly didn't spend as much time on the penis as he should no. have. Like, he's like, ah, and the penis well, is done. Well, just pop it on there. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> just a uh, garden hose cut off a garden hose. <laughs> yeah. You guys know what a dick looks like? Look at the muscles on we're the arms. We're not here for the dick, right? Yeah, we're, here we're for not. the shoulders. <laughs> the shoulders the are great. I was in Florence earlier this year, or was it in the last, last year? And I saw the statue of David, and mm -hmm. I'm not a guy who really has... Is this a, Michelangelo's David or Donatello's David? This is Michelangelo's okay. David. And it like almost made me cry. It's yeah. unbelievable how yeah. gorgeous this thing is. I can't even imagine. I had such a because like it's sort of like you know you wait in line, you pay money, you go in, and it's a bunch of art that. And I'm like I said, I'm not a, a very visual guy who's not into like 
you know, I like what I like, but mm-hmm. I can't really say why I like it. But then you turn this corner and it's under this like sunlight and it's mm-hmm. like this, this God's, you know, bounty is shining upon this sure. and it's massive and beautiful and perfect. And he made it when he was like 27 or yeah. something crazy like that. It's it's gorgeous. It's And you think about like it was just a block, at, you know, before it was a block and somebody could see that and go, OK. All right, I got this. That, you know, like, and then it turns out to be absolutely beautiful. And it's what's also cool is right there, right next to it, there's four or five other pieces that he never finished because the funding fell through, whatever. So it is these blocks, and there's like these figures, half card figures trying to escape out yeah. of this block, you know? Yeah. So it really puts like in, you, you really see the process. You see how it was a block, and then it wasn't, and now that one became David, but these guys never like and, yeah. achieved their full potential. Almost kind of like the morphing techniques in Genderbender. Yes. We're like still doing that. Yeah, We've we been really doing are. it forever. They really, the, the female and the male that they had in that shot really looked pretty similar. They really did. The Actually, morph- there was a quote that I read that uh, I forget who it was that was working on the show that was like kind of bummed because they were so similar that oh. the morphing didn't really look it was, like, it wasn't as pronounced because it wasn't going from like this guy that is like 200 pounds to this woman that's yeah. 110 pounds. Well, that would have looked real goofy. It looked like really similar. Um, when is this? Is this before or after the Michael Jackson black and white video? It's got to like be before, that right? Was 92. That was that 92? That video premiered in 92. I'm pretty sure. Because that morphing is better than this morphing, right? It's, that's like the first instance of that but they do a great job in oh, that yeah in that it's amazing that i remember sitting i was just talking about this too i said uh at home i was just like do you remember when we used to like watch music video premieres like everybody oh yeah waited for that to happen like yeah. the ones on mtv but also that premiered on like abc did it yeah and it was like a long for the whole thing with um george went at the beginning and uh macaulay culkin there's like a scene of he's like turn it down yelling oh, at oh yeah there's like a whole story at the beginning yeah john landis directed some of them yeah thriller it's he did thriller, thriller. yeah i'm that's not sure the, if he did the black and white one but he definitely did thr- thriller and the black and white one the morphing is like you know it's a total close-up yeah all kinds of people all moving, is like dancing yeah. around yeah because i remember that one woman with like a lot of hair yeah she's like really bouncing around and that that one is yeah. the one where you're like holy shit how did they yeah <laughs> x-files like we could do it we gotta be super far away yeah. and the guy and the girl have to pretty much be the same they looking person pretty much have to be the same person so what's cool in this i noticed this message board is um there's interesting stuff about the specific episode but what i thought was really epi- uh, interesting was i'm gonna read this is um People, so this is the beginning sort of where the internet, a lot of people are getting it. So how the copyright stuff, how something, how if you type something on the internet, like what the copyright issue with that is, is a conversation that happens that's interesting. (laughs) People are figuring out. So this guy says, I know that a lot of people have posted a suggestion for show ideas on this group. That's great. In the interest of interactive TV, we should try to set up an idea feedback mechanism for the show in order to increase the quality. He says the main problem with suggesting ideas is that if the show uses them, it has to be careful not to be sued for plagiarism. Um, Solution to this problem, it seems to me, is to create a culture slash tradition of supplying free and legally released ideas to the groups analogous to information charity. 
Can anybody out there help out setting up some legal, traditional, cultural superstructure to make this process a reality? I have a lot of ideas for the show, for instance, <laughs> and I'd be perfectly happy to give them away for free, and so would a lot of other people. Furthermore, I'm sure that most people wouldn't mind if their ideas were taken, mixed and matched, and edited at the whim of the writers. Let's start a thread on the subject. So this guy's like, <laughs> I have great ideas on the show. And I do not care if they're taken. <laughs> I just want to... Chop them up at, the w at your whim. <laughs> yeah, do whatever you want to do. <laughs> So this guy's, which is crazy. That's a crazy thing to say. That, first of all, it's such so arrogant that like, oh, yeah. these geniuses that created, well, they don't know that it's going to be a show with such cultural sure, import, yeah. but he's like, I got, I got some shit, dude. What if it's a werewolf that's also a vampire? <laughs> Use it. You can have that one. So then this guy says, uh, I personally think, in my humble opinion, that anything posted on a public forum without previous copyright is public property. You can't say it, that something is true if it's in your humble right. if, opinion. If it's IMHO. Yeah. IMHO you can't that say it's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's no room for fact in IMHO. None of those letters overlap even. I am a I am H F O in yeah. my humble factual <laughs> opinion. Uh, in my I am H.O. that anything posted in a public forum without previous copyright is public property and thus may be used by screenwriters anytime they wish. Uh, basically, think of us as personal but somewhat distant friends of the screenwriters. And by Whoa. incorporating something we uh, say here into a script, he says we weigh here into a script instead of we say. So clearly this guy has great ideas. They're simply using an idea of one of their friends, in quotes, came up with one night over coffee. Since there is no copyright on what we say here, since it's one part or, uh, originality to ten parts opinion anyway, it's open season on concepts. Just my two cents. Again, you can't have two cents you, you, and the law. And say this is what's also true. So these guys don't know. I mean, now that's like the birth of the like super egotistical tone of the Internet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the like, oh, yeah, we're friends with these guys. Because we spend every Friday or whenever this premiered. That's exactly right. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we're friends. Like, they know us. Yeah. They read this. They're reading it right now. They, they get it. They're spending all this time, just like we are, analyzing yeah. the show they already made. Yeah. And we have great ideas. And they they have great help. ideas. They don't know. They, they're running out of ideas. We need to have coffee with them over the internet. <laughs> we have to have coffee. <laughs> Virtual coffee. Just my two cents. Um... So it's, but it's interesting now people know that if you write something on the internet, in a way that's kind of copywriting it because you can't just take it and use it. There's proof that you've had it online before yep. someone else. Everyone kind of knows that. But these people don't. Yeah. It's the beginning of this stuff. But although people do steal stuff all the time. People do steal stuff. And they, they don't. Caught. I've noticed that um, like crediting things, people don't. Well, there's that over the 4th of July weekend that we just had, the American Apparel Social Media person posted yeah. the challenger disaster as a yeah. fireworks display <laughs> so like i feel like people that are using the internet don't totally understand crediting things i also saw something recently like in an article a photo uh that was clearly like an artistically purposely shot like somebody came to this guy's yeah. house took photos yeah and they were like here use these for magazines or this is your yeah. headshot that you distribute and the credit in the article was www.facebook.com no like they found it on facebook put, put it in like varieties top it was a variety yeah. but like top 10 most influential vegans or something and like yeah they grabbed it from facebook and instead of reading like photo by this person they were just like i got it from facebook well you know what it is doesn't facebook have a thing in their thing that nobody reads that 
all photos are owned by Facebook? Yes, and also Instagram too. Well, that's wow. It's pretty bad. So they can like sell your photos for advertising or like stock photo. It is pretty bad. So but this other person, people like you couldn't take my Insta. I couldn't take your Instagram photos and then distribute it as right. my own. They just that can. you can get in trouble for. That's right. At least peer to peer, you can get in trouble for that. But if Instagram does it, you signed the thing. Crazy. So now these people are talking about that stuff. And then this guy says, it would probably make things a whole lot easier if you were right. But unfortunately, <laughs> you're 100% wrong. <laughs> the general thought, certainly prevalent among, prevalent among the online services, is that each poster retains copyright of his or her post. And the services retain copyright of the compilation. Um, and then someone says, um, first off, if you ain't a lawyer, your opinion is just an opinion. Which is that's, exactly that's right. That's pretty true. Then this person says, my understanding is that you do retain copyright on anything posted. By posting, you've just lobotomized your right of reproduction. Basically, that someone can copy and paste, but then as long as they credit yep. you. And I think that was interesting. So, so that's an interesting conversation I thought that was happening, that now people, everyone understands it. Even if they try and right. skirt it, they know it's wrong. Back then, people didn't know it was wrong. Yeah. Also, people are trying to give ideas. Um, th that's exactly the reason why, you know, like Dan Harmon... People will come and be like, hey, take this script. And Dan's yeah. like, no, I cannot take it. Right. Because if you, if this ends up, you can sue me later. Yeah. And this is proof. That's it right there. It's interesting. There's one part, you know, where uh, we were talking about how uh, they have to explain. What was it? Oh, pheromones that to explain in this. So certain things like enter the lexicon late, in vitro fertilization, uh, pheromones. And in this one, people are like, hey, Mulder said the bullet through went through eight layers of what? The, uh, Mulder said the bullet You're went kidding. through eight layers of what? It's Kevlar. But yeah. I guess early 90s, oh my people God. didn't quite maybe know Kevlar or maybe this just... just maybe this Kevlar person. was really new. Maybe Kevlar was new. <laughs> I don't know. Super funny. Um, and then I thought, I was like, oh, so these people, what I noticed was people were always talking about really important stuff. And I was like, oh, now nowadays message boards are so dumb. They're talking about stuff that doesn't matter. But this is the beginning of message boards. And they're talking about, even if it's, like the conversations aren't like smart. They're trying to talk about smart stuff. And then I found this. So <laughs> let's read this like a conversation. This yep. is four or five people actually having a, an in-depth discussion about this. But um, we'll read it like it's a conversation. Okay. So you're going to read the bolded parts and bolded I'm going to read the unbolded parts. Okay. Don't read ahead. Okay. Don't read ahead. And we're going to read this like it's a one-act play. All right. And again, it's four or five people chiming in. Mm -hmm. But I read this and I was like, I'm going to read the entire thread. Yeah. There might be times where you think it's going on too long. <laughs> stay okay. with it. All right. I'll so you're going to read it. the bolded parts. Yep. Okay. So this is a whole thread. Yep. I thought Scully lived in a house. When did she move to an apartment? I never saw her live in a house. The only time she was in, in the house was when she was hosting a birthday party for her godson. Scully has always had an apartment. Check conduit. Mulder lucks into having someone going out of the security door as he need, as he need to get in to save her from the reticulin, a.k.a. the liver eater. During Beyond the Sea, as Scully ushers her parents out, it does look like she lives in a house, but I figured she just hung a Christmas wreath on her apartment door, which is amazing since any door decorations I've put in an apartment door have been swiped within two weeks. In fact, Scully lives in apartment 35, if I remember correctly. But when she let her parents out the front door or met the doctor in the last episode, the door to her apartment emptied out onto a lawn. Could this be a townhouse or condo setup? I have a friend who lives in the bottom floor of an apartment complex, and his door opens up onto a lawn. Remember the episode regarding her dad? They visited her, her at her house at the beginning of the show. This was the show with the psychic prisoner. Hmm, I got the impression that the house was her godson's. 
I don't know, though. So you've literally said nothing. <laughs> Why would you post if you don't know? I don't know, though. Hmm. I don't know, though. <laughs> I don't know, though. I love that. For some reason, I've always assumed it was a townhouse. That's the first thing that pops into my mind when I try to picture nice living quarters <laughs> in the D.C. area. What they've shown of Scully's place is pretty consistent with that, too, assuming the townhouse is divided into first and second story apartments. I haven't noticed any indication of her having more than just the one floor in her place. So, I guess people were talking about bullshit back then, too. <laughs> Definitely talking about bullshit. I do, I love that this person is like, which is amazing since any door decorations I've put on an apartment door have been swiped within two weeks. <laughs> I really thought they were going to say, like, any door decorations I've put on my apartment have been deemed illegal by the... <laughs> <laughs> by the whole, by the, the like housing that, yeah yeah the, exactly. the association of that building so i thought that was really interesting it's also you know a lot of people say uh first episode devin farachi was on and he was saying how this show was sort of the beginnings of fandom of a specific kind of fandom where people really give a shit about very specific little minutiae there's an episode earlier where we talked about uh in the message boards people are talking about what kind of gun they have mm -hmm. and this is the beginnings of that i yeah. think where people are talking about what kind of house does she live in could not matter less doesn't matter at all doesn't matter at all yeah but here they Isn't are this also well because i feel like the the um specific fandom started with star trek well yes this this ilk this, this is kind the, of thing this is the, and then the slash well in wait oh, you guys were talking about shippers yeah yeah uh which is fascinating to me yeah this i is love the that idea and you and i think devin was saying like the great thing about them is that there's no will they won't they so you can ship away because like it's never going to interfere with your shipping yeah you know? like i love that because it is hard to i i was introduced to sh the idea of shipping through the television show the l word so I had no idea what people were talking about. Because I used to download it through, um, what was that thing called? LimeWire? Oh, no. Don't admit that. <laughs> I mean, I didn't download it through anything. Yeah. Um, I've since bought it numerous times. So I feel oh, like I've made up fine. for it. I totally own yeah. it. But, um, you know, the people actually hooked up eventually. And I remember, like, being thinking about shipping and all the people were writing about that on, yeah. like, After Ellen boards and stuff. Yeah. And it is frustrating when they actually do get together because yeah. then you're like, well, now what do I, well, now do I concentrate on or think about the show? All right, great. Are they going to be, like, like divorcers? Right. Like shippers? Yeah. Or, like, breakupers? Divorcers. Yeah, divorcers. Or, or, like, divs or something. I, th I like divorcers. Yeah, divorcers is pretty yeah, good. Yeah, divorcers. Um, so, yeah, they, they really... Um, and then a couple episodes ago, there's also one where people first start talking about, like, how are they going to get together? I don't yeah. want them to. I kind of want them to. So sort of develops this very specific kind of fandom that still I'm finding it's pretty great. Like It's as, very deep. As this podcast is coming out, I'm finding a lot of people are still very, very into the X-Files. Yeah. Um, it's been really, really awesome. And a lot of people tweet at me and I see that their Twitter backgrounds are the X-Files. And yeah. they were that before this podcast. Oh, just, yeah. It was already there. And I mean, you know Elizabeth McKern in Chicago, right? From, through like Chuck. I know her, yeah. Uh, she's like a huge X-Files fan and she takes photographs and she, when she's setting up her lighting, she has Mulder and Scully like dolls. As the stand-in? As the stand-ins. And a lot of her photos are those dolls. Oh really? Yeah, I have no but they're idea. just like Barbie dolls. Like oh, they're not action generic, figures. They they are they're not action figures. No, but they're like full size Barbie doll size. There are Barbie dolls. They doll. have suits on, and I love it. They had. I think they're the greatest. Mulder and Scully Barbie dolls. Yeah, they did. They're super. She has them, and she uses them all the time. I oh love man, 
Um, I hope, you know, now when it's coming out in Blu-ray, that'll sort of get people going again. Because I want a third movie. Oh, yeah. I feel like they'll do it. Because actually, have you seen um, any of the stuff that Gillian Anderson's been doing lately? Like, did you watch The Fall? I watched The Fall and I watched Hannibal. The Fall is so good. I would say I watch everything she's been doing lately. I watched a little bit of Californication and I just had to get out. You got to get out. I couldn't do it. Um couple things one Mulder said recently in a Rolling Stone interview that he wants to make a third movie yeah and that it's possible until one of the three dies him Jillian or Chris Carter right also again I, I'm talking about how you know people are into the X-Files and then what I was doing earlier today was watching um I was watching a blooper reel of <laughs> Scully laughing oh my just God. her laughing over and over 10 minutes it's so weird because you know, the show obviously runs for nine seasons, and she's when she starts, she's so young. She's got, yeah. like, baby fat. She's 23 or 24. It's oh only her God. second time in front of the camera. They are so young in was that pilot. pilot. So young. And so this um, super cut of her, like, laughing sort of jumps around different seasons, and it's so jarring to see, like, super young Scully and then, yeah. like, a, a grown woman Scully. Yeah. And now, you know, because I've seen Hannibal most recently, and she's, like, giggling, like... You know, in this very, like, youthful kind of way. Yeah. And it really kind of, like, got me a little emotional thinking about, you know, just, like, she was this little kid and now she's yeah. this grown, stately woman. I mean, she was always, like, stately, but she really is in Hannibal and The Fall. She's this very, like, uh, she has a lot of gravitas. Yes, she's so, I mean, it's almost like she's a president. She's a president! You know, like, she, why has she not played the president? Jillian for president. She should. I mean, Gina Davis did. I feel like she should totally play a president. She's got, I would say she's got more gravitas than Gina Davis. I, I think so too. I love Gina Davis, but she definitely has this like, because I don't think um, Jillian Anderson could play like the comedy stuff that Gina Davis could do. Right. You know, Maybe but not. she can play the, I mean, she's probably one of the best TV, like if not the best female television drama actors. Jillian? Yes. I mean, uh, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. I will say the only person I would like to see portray a president before Jillian would be Sigourney Weaver. I think she... Oh, for sure. She'd play a great president. Yeah. She like would play a, a great badass. president, too. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. This um, is so much fun. Yeah. And, well, you know, if you want to come back, we'll Absolutely. do a couple more episodes uh, next season. It's going so fast. Yeah. It, so uh, it'll be pretty soon. So Yeah, I would be happy to. Awesome. Thanks for it. coming. All right, thank you so much for listening, guys. The next episode of The X-Files Files is actually a very special episode. It's EBE, which I think is such a fantastic episode because it's the first one where you really get a sense that a big mythology is developing. It's the first time you get a sense that there's some big conspiracy is happening um, and that things tie together in ways that Mulder doesn't quite understand and that the audience doesn't quite understand. It's a really, really great episode. Again, there's a couple conversations in that episode that I always think of when I think of The X-Files. Um, and it's a special episode because Dean Haglin, who plays Langley from The uh, Lone Gunman, is going to be the guest. And he remembers the episode super well and he had some fantastic stories about the episode and about the show as a whole and obviously EBE is the first time that the lone gunmen show up and they become such a major part of the X-Files so we went over to his house and we recorded over there and it's a really really interesting great episode and we're only talking about one episode we're only talking about EBE uh, thank you so much for listening go talk about the show on reddit email me at thexfilesfiles at gmail.com follow me on twitter at xfilesfiles thanks guys
like talking about things you're not qualified to talk about? Us too. The Dumb Nerds Podcast, a show where comedians talk about smart topics they're too dumb for. Every week, your host, that's me, Cassie Jerkins, invites a new funny guest on to get down and nerdy. Laugh and learn about topics like how to buy a house, the Terminator movies, and the Titanic. Check out Dumb Nerds today on your favorite podcast app.